Hi there, I'm Hans from Tappable. Welcome back to Stories of Mobile Madness. We have just returned from Athens where we attended the Global Editors Network Conference. We enjoyed three days of presentations by media strategists and talked to many editors and media innovators. So let me share already with you a few of my main takeaways. But I also want to talk about the biggest news in social media this week, and that is Facebook's expected launch of its cryptocurrencies. But before we start, you can really help us out in producing these episodes. Just let us know what you think. Leave your comments below and click like and subscribe. Every day, Facebook lifts another tip of the veil that hangs over its global coin or Libra cryptocurrency launch. Yesterday, they confirmed that Visa and PayPal endorsed the project. More companies will follow. Rumors are mentioned that Booking.com, Mastercard, Stripe and many more may join. Facebook expects that the new currency will be overseen by a consortium of 100 companies, each paying $10 million to join. They will act as nodes that enable the financial transactions. Whatever its ultimate name, the Facebook cryptocurrency will be pegged to a basket of fiat currencies. And with its 2.5 billion subscribers, Facebook may just be the company that can truly make crypto a reality. So what's it all about? In my view, it is essentially about facilitating sales, making it easier for Facebook users to transact with each other across the globe without any obstructions. And anyone who has ever made payments in different currencies knows exactly what these obstructions are. Exchange rates, huge transaction fees, delays of execution, and so on. Payments through Facebook will be instantaneous, exchange risk-free, and probably also free of charge. Who will this new payment system benefit? In the first place, Facebook itself, of course. Integrating payments into their offer closes the loop. You can do pretty much anything now within their platform. Search, compare, communicate, shop, and also pay. In countries like Kenya, where more than 30% of e-commerce is done via, via Facebook groups, this will be very important. Facebook will give the informal economy in developing countries a huge boost. And I bet that the management committees of mobile wallets such as M-Pesa will have had emergency meetings all week last week. Every year, Reuters Institute publishes its digital news report. This year, the results come from over 75,000 respondents from 38 different countries. So what are the key insights from this year's report? First of all, monetizing news remains an issue. Northern European readers are twice as likely to pay for news as their US counterparts. People are now used to paying for most services online. They do so on an ongoing basis. And for new sites, this can actually create recurring revenues. At the same time, respondents say that they're only willing to pay for one single news source at a time. Reuters call this the subscription fatigue. Publishers are also competing with large 
tech companies like Netflix or uh, Spotify, for instance. They essentially provide entertainment services and they can keep their subscription rates very low because they can make revenue from other sources. Two thirds of people around the world are now using smartphones at least once every week to access their news. Smartphones are gradually becoming the preferred gateway to first contact with news. And if publishers want to keep their audiences engaged on smaller screens, they will have to adapt the format of their content to suit those smartphone users. And that is music to our ears. Because tappable stories are the ideal format to create immersive content on smartphones. And that's exactly what we have been telling all the editors that we have met at a conference. And we got some very good feedback from them. We're making great progress with the development and we are starting to put together our very first pilots. So don't forget to sign up for early access on tappable.co or simply reach out to me. One of the sessions that particularly caught my attention is Stefan Damborg and Cosmin Ene talking about the business models in media. Stefan is a Danish media consultant and Cosmin is CEO of LaterPay. In their own words, they both repeated a comment that Rasmus Klein-Nielsen of Reuters made just a couple of hours earlier. He said that a lot of the news is not worth paying for because there are sufficient free alternatives. According to Stefan Damborg, publishers don't pay enough attention to what users really want and when they want it, even though they have the data as well as the tools to analyze customer behavior. His research shows that only 25% of editors are evaluating user behavior on a daily basis. And for journalists, that percentage drops to less than 15%. In my book, this leaves plenty of room for improvement in this area. Cosman talked about the risks of the hard subscription models. People expect an enormous amount of value for the money they pay to publishers. And how do news publishers compete with entertainment providers such as the Disney Channel, for instance? At $6.99 per month, their offer is definitely cheaper and more entertaining than most publishers. Sticking to the subscription model may not be the solution. In the subscription fatigue scenario, this will obviously lead to a winner-takes-it-all. And by definition, this leaves an awful lot of losers behind. Not surprisingly, Cosman makes a very strong case for the contribution model backed up by in-depth data analysis and innovative customer acquisition strategies. Want more of these stories of mobile madness? Like and follow us. Thanks for watching and see you next week.